Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Welcome to Pit Pass Moto, the show that keeps you up to speed on the latest in motorcycling and brings the biggest names in motorcycle racing right to you. I'm Dave Sulecki. And I'm PJ Doran. And this week we are wrapping up the year in racing. Uh, We're going to talk about all the series that went on this year and talk about some highlights. But first, PJ, you've got some news in the industry. This past weekend from Portugal, Portimao, Portugal, MotoGP, the final race of the season, and it was won by a countryman. Portuguese rider Miguel Oliveira won on his KTM. It was a huge day for him. Jack Miller kept him honest all the way to the end. Jack Miller and Franco Morbidelli rounded out the podium. Miller in second, Morbidelli in third. That ended the season. It's been a great season. We'll talk about it more later in the show. This week on Pit Pass Moto, we're going to uh, recap the season of racing. So much exciting things went on this year. Very strange year for racing, everybody can agree. First, uh, we're gonna delve into uh, Supercross results and talk about some of the highlights there. It was the big year for Eli Tomac. He comes home with the title this year. He wasn't the Tomac we'd seen in years past in Supercross, but we were glad to see it. And uh, to see him bring home the trophy finally was great. And really, to me, the season I can break down to a lot of different things, but some of the biggest surprises to me was uh, Zach Osborne's late charge in the Supercross season, which actually parlayed into the outdoors. I think uh, we're going to talk about that a little bit later, but just to see what Zach was able to do on the bike this year was great. Really, the disappointment to me in the season, I thought Ken Roxon fading late in the season. It could have been a lot of things, but I guess he came down with Epstein Barr, PJ. I don't know if you heard that in the news. I had heard that, and he was off, as you said. I mean, his start to the season, it was inspiring to everyone who's into the whole story that is Ken Roxon and the incredible comeback, right? I mean, he he started the year like he was ready to really make magic happen, and he did for uh, in a lot of ways. But sadly, as you, you said, he's He's got bigger health issues, and hopefully he's able to recover, right? Is there any news on that front? Actually, I think we will see him at the start of Supercross if and when it does start in January. I think he's been training and getting ready, so hopefully he's past that. It'll be great to see him out there. I think the racing's better when he's out there. My underdog award for the season goes to Malcolm Stewart, one of my favorite riders. Mookie is just amazing to watch in the whoops. We saw some charges on the track that just blew me away. For him to finish sixth on the season, he's a Supercross-only contract guy on that MCR Honda team. And just, you know, he's just one of those guys, when things are right, things go well, and he goes fast. Yeah, he sure does. I mean, he's he's incredible to watch, and yeah, you're so correct. In the whoops is where he really differentiates himself from 
the world's fastest supercross riders, he still has a level on them when he's got it going that other guys just can't seem to match. So Malcolm getting signed to the uh, star racing team for 2021 is great news. I think he's deserved it and uh, he'll do well. And uh, just a, a great season in 450 Supercross. And uh, we're glad for Tomac to bring it home. And the 250 class in the East class, Dylan Ferrandez, probably the most solid rider out there. 250 class wasn't without drama. We had Anaheim too. We had uh, Ferrandez take out Kristen Craig. We had the uh, young phenom, Jet Lawrence, toss it away and break his collarbone on the last lap. And that 250 East class was a dogfight. And Dylan proved he was the strongest, so it was great to see. One of the biggest disappointments to me, I was really surprised to see Pro Circuit really not bring it this year in the 250 East class. They just struggled with bike problems, rider problems all around. It's uh, just uh, something I'm sure they're going to work on and correct for. In the 250 West class, really I thought was going to be a Shane McElrath story because he went out in the first round and just dominated Chase Sexton, his resilience in that class, he, he proved he was the guy to win it. Really looked solid after that first round, and I don't think McElrath had anything for him. It was an incredible season for those guys, and the results uh, really lead us into the next season that we all hope goes as planned. There's other news in the series too, right? In off-road in general, we've got the absence or departure of JGR, right? Yeah, sadly, uh, two big race teams closed down this uh, this end of this uh, motocross season. The Geico Honda team has closed its doors, and they are no more. And JGRMX, who's been around for I think since twenty, excuse me, two thousand seven, I want to say, they've closed their doors. So a lot of riders looking for teams. They've matriculated out to various teams. A few of them have picked up rides. Some of the bigger names, McElrath, I mentioned, has been picked up by the MCR team. Alex Martin, who uh, we interviewed uh, in a previous episode, landed on the newly formed Manluck Rock River Yamaha Merge Racing Team. He's back on Yamahas, and he'll be uh, he'll be competing for those guys. And it was like a lot of silly seasons. I think just throw in the drama of COVID, and was the series even going to take place? On top of all of that, I think most racers are just glad to be out on the track this year. Really. It's a testament to the series that they pulled it off with a very interesting finish to the Supercross season. It's worth mentioning that they did how many rounds in one stadium? They did seven rounds at Salt Lake City, and uh, that was a brilliant move on their part to uh, pack it all in there and seven races in 21 days. It was great to see, and it was a great way to wrap up the season. Kind of felt a little anticlimactic at the finish because there wasn't the crowd there to cheer everybody on when they passed out the big number one plates to everybody. They got the racing in, they got it on the track. Full credit to Feld and Supercross in general for being able to get the series done and really a good series, a good competitive series on top of all the other problems they had to deal with. In Moto America, they started out as really the first thing to happen in the world of racing, and thus the eyes of the world were on Moto America for the beginning of the season that was delayed thanks to COVID, but it did ultimately start 
in Road America up in Wisconsin. They ended up doing a double header there, one race at the beginning of June and one towards the end of June where the two opening rounds of this year 2020 season for Moto America. Again, kudos to the series. They did an amazing job at both of those events and throughout the season. They pulled off an entire season in Superbike, Cambobier crushes it yet again just walks away with the title super stock similarly cam another cam cam peterson walks away with the title in super stock super sport richie escalante absolutely dominant in the twins cup rocco landers get used to this guy's name he destroyed it in the twins class and also for the first time in a long time won two titles this year, also won the Junior Cup Series, Rocco Landers. The guy is a machine, and it feels like he's just coming into his own, really hitting his stride. I think there's a lot more to be seen from him, and that's saying a lot when the guy just finished winning two titles in Moto America in one season. So I really look forward to talking to Rocco more, watching Rocco more. The guy's just on an absolute tear, and... Congrats to Moto America for having a guy like that in the pits, uh, along with all the other racers. He's just amazing. Other big news from the pits, so multi-time national champion Cam Bobier going back across the pond. He's going to join the Moto GP Circus in the Moto2 class. He will be replacing American Joe Roberts on the American racing team. Joe Roberts will be moving elsewhere. Nonetheless, Cam Bobier going to Europe. He's been there before in other series. This isn't new to him, but he is one of the world's fastest riders, and we look forward to seeing how he goes in Moto2 and how he represents America. Other Moto America news, as it were, King of the Baggers unveiled this year, Dave. Uh, you and I were both pumped about it. What'd you think? Yeah, I loved all the racing this year, in addition to King of the Baggers. Just, just to mention Cam Bobier, it seemed like Every track he went to, the guy was setting lap records. Just untouchable out there. And and, and I think when we interviewed uh, Hayes, he talked about Cam letting loose this year and not holding back. And look what it turned into for him. It seemed that he was a bit more uncorked this year. And it's not like he hadn't already proven himself to be the fastest superbike racer in North America. He beat the likes of Tony Elias, who sadly has split with uh, Suzuki of America. That's another point worth mentioning on the season recap of Moto America. May have been the last time we see Tony Elias. He certainly has not said he wants to be done racing, but that deal has ended. So it'll be interesting to see if he's able to put something together or find another way to be involved in racing here in America. Yeah, let's hope so. I, I agree. And it, I, th I always say the racing's better with guys like that on the track because they make it more competitive. And with Cam Bobier moving on, now the whole field has moved up one. So you're going to see some really good uh, battles out on the track this next year. And you know, you mentioned King of the Baggers. I'm really looking forward to that being a three-race series because I want to see – I'm a tech head, and I, and I love when they take vehicles that weren't necessarily built for road racing and put them out there and, and do what they do with them. They made a great show when they went to uh, Laguna this year. They absolutely did, and I also look forward to the outcomes that assuming – let's assume the best, hope for the best. We can all go to every race, in which case – Hopefully, we see a whole new contingent of fans at the King of the Baggers races and elsewhere. 
because honestly, there's a lot of guys who own and ride baggers who just aren't race fans, never have been. And this might give them a reason to get out to the track and check out what's going on. And once they see it, uh, like anyone, once you see motorcycle racing live, you just, you're drawn to it. There's, it's a rare individual who walks away saying, I could live without that after they see it, right? Yeah, I agree. And, it, and I, you hit the nail on the head. They bring new fans out to the sport, which is any race organization should be thinking that way. How do I get new people out there? And they've, they've struck a chord with this one. And, you know, kudos to uh, Moto America and Wayne Rainey for coming up with the idea, drag specialties. I think it's great. Who knows what's next? Monkey bike class, and then uh, we're gonna sign. <laughs> we're gonna sign PJ up for that. <laughs> I would love. I would absolutely love to do that. How about we talk about what was an amazing off-road season this year for the AMA off-road motocross contenders? Outdoor motocross, it's definitely, you know, it's my favorite series because I'm an outdoor motocross guy by nature. I can't ride supercross. I can definitely relate to outdoor motocross. And what a season it was. I, I talked about this guy in the supercross wrap-up where he finished strong for the season, and he parlayed that into a championship. And he's not the guy most people would have picked, but Zach Osborne wins the 450 class this year by just having grit, determination, never back down attitude against guys that previously would beat him. Full credit to Zach. He's a guy who leaves it all out on the track. I don't think anybody can doubt that ever since the takeout move against Savachi back in, uh, I think it's two years ago in the 250 West class. The guy's just a beast. Just glad to see that they got the racing in. They finished a little late on the year, but you know, that is what it is. We still had good, strong, competitive racing every round with three of the top racers in motocross and supercross not out there. Really, for them to get the series in, they got creative. They had multiple rounds at some of the venues, the uh, the mud bath down at Loretta Lynn's. To me, the underdog award goes to Adam Ciancerillo. Nobody expected him to do as well as he did. He was out there winning motos and overalls. Full credit to him and Kawasaki. Tomac, third overall in the season in the outdoors. He was a defending champ. The fact that he was uh, able to win some rounds still, he just didn't look strong. Whatever the reasons were, we'll never know. But uh, full credit, Zach Osborne, 450 outdoor uh, winner. 250 class, (laughs) here we go again. It was the Dylan Ferrandez show. He just uh, dominated the outdoors. Had a bit of a dogfight with uh, Jeremy Martin. Down to the wire, really. I mean, it could have been anybody's championship up until about the last couple of motos. And Dylan just, he had more than the other guys, and uh, he proved it. Shane McElrath finishing third uh, behind Jeremy Martin. He just had kind of a a so-so season, just didn't finish strong, and he even said so. To me, the great thing was Alex Martin, uh, Jeremy Martin's brother, winning a moto on that Suzuki for JGR in their final season, as it turns out, in the mud at Loretta's. I uh, was glad to see that. Yeah, that was uh, quite a race, that one. We talked to him about it last week, and I'm a huge Tomac fan. No one uh, has to guess about that. I mention it often, and I was a little disappointed with his early performance and then, sadly, his late performance. He had moments of greatness in the middle, but 
again, not taking anything away from our ultimate winner, uh, since Rulo was able to keep him honest as well. So it didn't seem like he had his way with the series by any means. There were guys challenging him, and he rose to the occasion every time. Even down to the final round of Pal. And here's an interesting little tidbit. Uh, I mentioned Cooper Webb, uh, perennial champion. He was a Supercross champion two years ago. And he's actually training with Eli Tomac in Colorado now. So how does that work when you've got these top two guys in the sport going at it during the week training? And it's really interesting. That usually does not happen in motocross. They tend they want to keep secrets train in other, you know, opposite ends of the country if possible and and not buddy up. But uh, there's two guys that are going to be pushing each other pretty darn hard in January when the Supercross season starts. Yeah, that has uh, historically worked in other forms of motorcycle racing that I know of. You bring two of the fastest guys together and they tend to push each other past everybody else very quickly. So that may work out and may work in their favor as the season plays out. In the world of MotoGP, congratulations to Suzuki and Yoan Mir. Yoan Mir wins for the first time in 20 years the world title for Suzuki. They had a shot, an outside shot, going into the last round to take the top two slots of the world title and the constructors' title. Sadly, that didn't happen. The team had a relatively off weekend. Both riders didn't do very well, which allowed Franco Morbidelli on the Yamaha Patronas team to secure second place in the overall standings with Alex Renz, Johan Mir, the world champion's teammate, finishing third in the overall standings. Andrea Dovizioso came fourth, Polis Espargaro came fifth, and Maverick Vinales, the highest-ranked factory Yamaha rider in sixth place in the world title. In Moto2, Enia Bastianini won the world title of Moto2 over Luca Marini and Sam Lowe's. Our American Joe Roberts finished seventh in Moto2, which was a great end to his season and his time with the American racing team. As we know, our own Cam Bobier will be taking over for Joe Roberts on that American racing team. Other big news from the end of the season, other than Suzuki's, again, congratulations, First title in 20 years since King Kenny Roberts' son, Kenny Roberts Jr., won the world title for Suzuki in the year 2000. Other big notes. Valentino Rossi, done after 15 roughly years of factory service to Yamaha, minus the two years in the middle for his Ducati time, is no longer on the Yamaha factory team. He's going to the Patronus team taking that spot on that team. It's a satellite Yamaha team. Great machines. As we know, Morbidelli was able to take second in the title on their bike, so it's not going to be a downgrade, but he won't be on the factory team partnered with Vinales. Other big news this season, Dave, Mark Marquez was out essentially all season with a very, very damaged shoulder. He'll be back in 2021, are all reports, but we didn't see him ride. His younger brother carried on on the Repsol team, and he did okay. It was a good out, but uh, definitely wasn't Mark Marquez on their bike. The thing it brought to MotoGP, and this is no knock on any uh, any of the racers, but it brought some more parity to the class, and you saw it could be anybody's race by the end of the season, anybody's title, I should say. 
Absolutely. We saw nine different winners in this year. Every team had a real shot. No one had a lock on the title till the second. And going into that round, it was still arguably three or four guys could have really laid their stamp on it. It was the most exciting down-to-the-wire MotoGP season we've seen in quite some time. There were nine different winners, I think, says it all. That ties the record for most ever in a premier class series, most number of different winners. The other highlight for me from the season, and it's not a good one, is the fact that the Austrian GP, we nearly lost at least two incredibly talented racers in Valentino Rossi and Maverick Vinales. It was the scariest crash I arguably have ever seen. Franco Morbidelli, Johan Zarco's bikes came together at the Austrian GP, that's the Red Bull ring, and down a very fast straightaway, followed by a 90-plus degree right-hand turn. Rossi was chasing Vinales. Both of those bikes had uh, come together well up the straightaway. And one of them split the two riders still going insanely fast. The replays are bone chilling. Dave, I don't know if you ever saw the video, but... I did, yeah. It was a miracle that no one got hurt. One bike cartwheeled over Vinales, who was in front of Rossi. Vinales really never knew about it. Rossi definitely knew about it because Morbidelli's bike went 90 degrees across his face and missed him by millimeters. He had to duck in order to, for that bike to clear him. And, uh, you know, there's talk that that will alter their approach to that track. And I know they've worked on it before, but it just it's an unsafe alley as they come down that uh, kink into that uh, hard right. Hopefully they'll make some corrections and uh, make the racing a little safer. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's a new enough facility, an incredibly cool facility, and it's no knock on them. You don't know these things can happen until they happen oftentimes, and when they do, it just warrants a revisit, all right, what, I mean, do we need to put an earth berm? I'm sure they'll come up with something because it's a state-of-the-art facility and an incredible place to watch races from. I look forward to seeing more races there. And the final championship worth mentioning was the World Superbike this year, uh, Dave. Jonathan Ray won his sixth consecutive world title for Kawasaki. The guy is a machine, machine, machine. He's incredibly talented over uh, Scott Redding and my favorite, Chaz Davis. Those were the top three finishers at the end of the World Superbike season. Our own Garrett Gerloff, who we've talked to on the show numerous times, it was his freshman season in World Superbike, and he finished the year in P11. I would call that arguably a very strong finish for a guy learning tracks, learning a new country. Would you agree? I mean, that's not an easy task for a guy jumping into the deep end of the pool. Oh, definitely. And what a great series. And I just don't think it gets enough focus and attention. That World Superbike class just develops riders, and they're going as fast as anybody in the world. I mean, there's there's hardly – there's a thin line between World Superbike and MotoGP, and these guys – it's a very gray line, I should say. I just want to say my favorite racer's name in World Superbike, Toprak. Raz Gottlioglu. There's not a bike that is overly dominant right now. The start of the season, it was arguably easy to say, might not be Ray's year. He proved everyone wrong, came back swinging and, and absolutely, again, in dominant fashion, wins the world title. He is now, it is worth mentioning, on 99 wins in World Superbike. 
he could be the first person ever to hit 100 World Superbike wins. And unless he has the most disastrous offseason and lives on cheeseburgers only for the next couple months, I think it's foreseeable he will, in fact, become the first racer to ever win 100 races in World Superbike history. That's amazing. That's a stat that uh, only comes along probably once in a long, long time. It's not easily achieved. 99 starts is a career, quite honestly. 99 starts is a long career. 99 wins is, <laughs> is insane. I look forward to the upcoming year of road racing. We look forward to the upcoming year of off-road racing, Dave. Looking back on it all, would you agree? We've, we've had a pretty doggone year of racing for 2020 being the steaming dumpster fire that it's been most <laughs> of the year for in every other way, right? Yeah, absolutely. I have said that many times throughout the season that uh, I'm just pleased that there are guys out on the track racing. And, you know, who'd have thought through all of this that the series would be completed like they did? And Full credit to Moto America being the first road race series out there. They got a lot of attention by doing it right, managing it well enough that they could have fans at some events. Supercross followed suit. They set the standard, and, and a lot of other sporting series, I don't just mean racing series, a lot of other sports can learn a lot by what Moto America did this year and what Fell did with Supercross and, and carried on into the rest of the series for the year. So... Yeah, steaming dumpster fire of a year, and uh, we still had, I thought, great racing throughout all of it. We certainly did, and further, we now know to be a fact about 2020 is that sales are up markedly in all segments, off-road, on-road, you name it, beginner bikes, mopeds, youth, everything. Sales are up tremendously, racing happened, how are we still seeing the demise of teams, Dave? Is there a disconnect there somewhere, or was it uh, My just... My opinion, I think it's strictly dollars. If there aren't fans in the seats, they're not reaching the right ones that are going to spend the money, and it just comes down to you know dollars and cents in most cases. JGRMX, I think they ran as long as they could without really reaching the pinnacle. They won a few races, but they never really had the full-on results that you need to have to, to stay in the front. I think Geico did better, but they're gone also. Really, I think it's dollars and cents. That's usually what it is. These other riders will matriculate out to other teams or new teams will come on and throw their hat in the ring and, and make a go of it. Racing won't stop. That's it for the season reviews. We really want to thank all of you for joining us this year. We look forward to talking more racing next year. We hope you continue to join us and listen to us. It's been an incredible year, Dave, and uh, we can only hope for more racing. Yes, sir. We're looking forward to 2021 and uh, maybe a more normal year in the end, but uh, still it was fun this year. We saw some great races. We sure did, and uh, seasons have been scheduled, and they're on the calendar. So with any luck and fingers crossed, we will see them happen as they should right along with you. Thank you again for being with us today. We really enjoyed talking about racing this year. And if you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app where you'll get alerts when new episodes are uploaded. And if you have a moment, please rate and review us. We really appreciate it. 
Make sure you also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and pitpassmoto.com, where you can check out our all-new blog. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcasts. A special thank you to Tommy Boy Halverson, Chris Bishop, producer Leah Longbreak, and audio engineer Eric Colt. Now, I'm PJ. And I'm Dave. We'll see you next year on Pit Pass Moto. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%.